Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode we are going to be talking about Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Ooh, so this is the trilogy capper for Sam Witwicky's trilogy of Transformers films. I mean, I don't know why I'm talking about this Transformers trilogy as a human perspective trilogy, because we shouldn't, right, we should not be thinking about that. But realistically, it is, because in the next movie, Mark Wahlberg is the main human. So, technically speaking, this is wrapping up the story of Sam. Okay, it's not really wrapping up any Transformers story, which I like, because there is definitely more room to explore other avenues with the Transformers after this film ends. So, while I think it is a good ending for the character, I think... They could have done a better job just making it about Transformers, you know? So let's just get into it. This is the third Transformers film that Michael Bay has done. I prefer this one to the second one. I definitely do. I weirdly remember it being better. (laughs) I still think it's good. I think it's a good movie. I think I prefer the first one in all honesty. But this one's fun. This one doesn't look as yellow or blue. Got towards the end and it definitely does start looking more blue. But instead, everything's so white. So the cars are white, the dresses are white, the buildings are white. Everything is just white. The people are white, okay? There's a few black army officers, but everybody else is white. So I don't know why everything's so white all of a sudden compared to the yellow and blues that were in the previous two films. However... It's a good, explosive, massive scale Transformers film. I think it definitely falls at the same hurdles that the second one faced, but I do believe this one's... It's just a better story, and I like... Okay, I weirdly really enjoy the arc that Sam goes on during these films, because in the first one, he's this awkward teenager that is graduating from high school, and he wants to get with Michaela. And then in the second one, you had him going to college and all that stuff, and now in this one, he's graduated from college, so time has passed, and now he's looking for a job. And I like that. I actually genuinely like the arc that Sam goes through. However, that would be fine if it was any other film other than Transformers. Because when you're watching a Transformers film, you do not give a about the humans. I don't care about them at all. I think there's some very cool new Transformers. I think the same Transformers that got introduced in the second one are completely wasted and just non-existent in this film. Right, Sideswipe being one. I love Sideswipe. I think he's a dope-looking Transformer. He's got some cool designs, but he does f*** all. He does nothing in this film. He has, like, one fight sequence. There's Dino now. Dino's a new Ferrari 458 Italia. He does nothing. He's in it right at the start, and then that's pretty much it until the end. The only other new ones that get introduced, spoiler alert, they're going to die. You know, that's the only reason they get introduced, so they can be killed off. It's dead weight. But I think, again, from a Decepticon point of view, from the enemy, they've got one of the coolest Transformers you've ever seen, right? So Shockwave, with his basically Sandworm-style Transformer accomplice... You look at Dune, right? Dune had the big sandworm, which, yeah, sure, it looks cool, but it's barely in it. This goddamn Transformer sandworm rips right through a building. It's amazing. It's so cool. That sequence is fantastic. I also like how this film takes place in a different place to the previous two films. So the first one had LA. Second one was Egypt mainly, but also Philadelphia, where he went to college. Now, this one is Chicago, although could have sworn they're in Washington for half of it, and then all of a sudden they're just in Chicago. 
I don't understand again, like it's the same thing with the second one, I do not understand how they get from A to B so quickly, and what is going on, because I know for a fact, Washington is not right next to Chicago, so what the hell has happened there, I do not know, but I think it has some qualities that the second one doesn't have, but it also has some issues that the first one doesn't have, so it's a, it's a mix of them both, I think there are some really good parts, there are some really unnecessary parts, the entire movie, alright, it's two and a half hours, and it really grated on me how much exposition there is, Right, it's just characters explaining something and then going to somebody else and explaining everything they've just learned and then that's all they do for two and a half hours so the script is diabolical okay it's absolutely shambolic but when it comes to the action and the cgi there are a couple of really ropey cgi parts when sam hooks onto starscream towards the end and it's so cgi it is ridiculous but the rest of it, right, the Transformer CGI and the transformation suit-up thing, whatever, it looks great. Okay, it definitely looks like it's improved from Revenge of the Fallen. But this was around a time when films would just have a giant swirling hole in the sky, aliens come through it, it's just a portal movie, right? So this was in 2011, then Avengers in 2012 had exactly the same, with some very similar designs of the ships, both Paramount, right? So I'm pretty sure they just thought, hang on a minute, that worked for Dark of the Moon. Let's just replicate that, but change it up slightly. Because you look at the Chitauri army pod things in Avengers, compare them to the big Cybertron warships in this, they look identical. It's very similar. So all these films around this time, they had a very similar style aesthetically. And I like it because it feels grounded, even though it's using a ton of CGI, but also it looks very similar, right, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Suicide Squad, this, they're all just a giant portal in the sky that bad things are coming through, right, that's all it is, and I'm pretty sure one of the main points in this film is bringing Cybertron to Earth, I'm 100% sure that's exactly what happens in the fifth Transformers film anyway, so what, what have they done, I need to rewatch it, but yeah, anyway, I wrote down some things, so I'm just going to go through them as quick as possible, because yeah, I, I wrote down not as many things as the second movie but still quite a few scary kennedy cgi at the start okay so john f kennedy is featured at the start and it's kind of doing something cool when it's blending found footage sort of thing of the 60s into the film itself specifically regarding the space race and kennedy is in it and it does something well to like cut around showing kennedy's face but then when it does show kennedy's face it looks haunting it's absolutely hideous but anyway, that's not too much of an issue because that is literally just a few seconds right at the start of the film. Buzz Aldrin, okay, Buzz Aldrin is in this film. The Buzz Aldrin is playing Buzz Aldrin in this movie. I mean, you've got so many other actors that are introduced just in this film. So Francis McDormand is in it, Patrick Dempsey's in it too, and John Malkovich. Like, it's crazy how many people are in this film. But why is Buzz Aldrin in it? I don't understand. He's talking to Optimus Prime, talking about the moon. Like, oh yeah, this is what we found when we were up there. Like, what the f***? What is he doing? Everything's so white, I wrote that down. Uh, kicks engine for about 10 seconds. Yeah, Sam's car doesn't start, and then he just spends about 10 seconds kicking the engine, which is quite funny, and screaming. Uh, there's a random scene. It's so weird. There are so many random scenes in this film that make no sense. One of the Decepticons pretends to be a pink bumblebee, and Michael Bay does this weird thing where it just sort of blacks out every three seconds, so it just shows clips of the scene happening, but interjects it with black screen, so it's like making it seem really intense, like, oh, this thing's happening, cut to black, 
come back, this thing's happening, cut to black, this thing's happening, cut to black. And then there's one scene where a Decepticon pretends to be a pink bumblebee and kills a dad to say it's weird, and then he's having tea with the kid. I don't know what the hell is going on, this film is weird. Uh, the gay bathroom scene, yet again, so another gay innuendo in a Michael Bay film. It's not as explicit as the ones before, but it happens in this one too. Uh, okay, oh god, I've wrote this down. This is so f- stupid. This is what I mean about the exposition. Sentinel Prime comes into it, and he says this thing, right, I'm not speaking verbatim here, but I made this thing to form a space bridge between universes. It's this pod thing, it's the, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, the pillar, it's the pillars to create a space bridge between universes to transport matter through time and space. It will defy all of humans' laws of physics, blah blah blah. And then Francis McDormand literally hears this and says, you're talking about a teleportation device, aren't you? He's just said, we're gonna build a bridge between universes to transport matter. That is a teleportation device, that is literally what he just said. So why is she saying again? The exposition, the script, it is atrocious. Happens all the way through. Once I started noticing this, it never stops. Alright, so I'm pretty sure the first half is still full of it, but I only noticed about an hour into it maybe. This is when it really started to get exposition heavy. And then it does not stop. Alright, does not stop at all till the end of it. Sam finds out a bit of information. He then gets on a phone, tells the information to somebody else. Then they go and use that information to do what it is he was told in the first place. Just cut straight to us seeing what he's doing. We do not need to see two scenes talking about what it is that they got to do and then showing us what they got to do. Don't f- tell us, just show us. You're talking about a teleportation device that it's so stupid. Then Sentinel is all like, never more in the past. That's all he f- does. He's the one wanting to get Cybertron back. He's the one, you know, mourning over what could have been. But he tells Optimus, don't mourn over the past. What? What? <laughs> Oh, more blood! Okay, more blood is in this film. So much more blood. Why? Why are Transformers bleeding? I don't understand. Then you've got these dreadlock-style Transformers. Essentially a mix of Predator meets Jamaican Transformers, right? They've got dreadlocks and they bleed. Okay, they bleed heavily. Why? Trump Tower. This has not aged well. They go to Trump Tower at one point. <laughs> and then I'm going to give mild spoilers here, but about an hour and a half in, the Transformers are exiled. They have to go up in a spaceship and leave planet Earth. Nine minutes later, they return. All right, so I thought it was a lot longer <laughs> than this. But um, yeah, it's only nine minutes that the Autobots are missing and then they come back. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Also, why are they in Chicago? Like, What is special about Chicago? Because LA, you had some sort of meaning behind it because that's where the crash land and that's where all the main attack was happening. The second one, Egypt, that's where the Matrix was hidden. But then this one, they just randomly attack Chicago and that's their base for bringing back Cybertron. But why? Like, there is literally no point in it being Chicago. There's nothing unique about it being set there. So I like it when films have a specific meaning to be held in a certain place. Like Avengers, yeah, sure, Portal in the Sky, it could be anywhere. But the whole point of it being in New York was the fact that Stark Tower was there. But there's nothing special about it being in Chicago. Like, nothing at all. So I don't understand that. It got to a point later on when Megatron just completely f- disappears. And it was kind of annoying because 
Megatron has had some decent moments in the first two films, so you were kind of hoping for something big, you know, to do with him fighting Optimus in this film. None of that, okay, none of that whatsoever. There is a fight, but it's pretty simple, and it's pretty badass, so we'll give him that. I'm not going to spoil it because it is right at the end, but yeah, Megatron is just chilling. Alright, so I was wondering where the f*** is Megatron. Don't worry, Megatron is literally going to be found by Sam's new girlfriend, chilling in a back alley somewhere. And then, yeah, it's very cliche what happens to him, but... Overall, the film is decent, okay, I do enjoy it, I think it's got some great moments that make it very good, it's got some stupid moments to make it dumb as but overall I enjoy it a lot more than I do the second one, and I think it certainly looks better, and I like how this is kind of one of Michael Bay's most toned down films. I think it's got a weird grayscale over it, half of it, which I like, you know, I do like that. But apart from that, I think it still falters with the humans, like, we don't really care for them. It's good seeing Josh DeHamel back. There's actually a really cool Halo jump sequence, which I really like. And, yeah, they feature a lot. Okay, so it's a two and a half hour movie, the humans feature a lot during that first half. Then it gets into the Transformers action in the second half, and it's pretty much non-stop for the last hour. Which I like, okay, I really like that. Don't think the ending is as strong as the previous two films, you know, you can't beat a bit of staring off into the sunset, giving a powerful monologue whilst Linkin Park plays, but they don't do that in this film. It just finishes the battle, bam, cut to black, directed by Michael Bay, that's it. So, yeah, overall, swings and roundabouts with this film. I think if you're a fan of the first two, you will be a fan of this one. It's definitely an improvement on the previous one. However, I still don't think it's the definitive Transformers film. I like it, the visual effects are fantastic, and narrative is good. It's just focusing way too much on the humans for half of it. But apart from that, I think it's good. So with that, all that's left for me to do is give it a Bayhem ranking. Now, I'm going to give it some bonus points because this was the first Transformers film that got released in 3D. And I feel like that does add to the sheer bombastic Bayhem nature. So I'd give it probably 631 out of 847. Yeah, let's give it that because it's pretty decent and Chicago does get f***ed up. So I like that. But anyway, now that's out of the way, I've been Kieran, this has been Transformers Dark of the Moon, and I shall speak to you in the next episode, where we get to talk about pain and gain, which I love, of You Can't Handle the Truth.